Uh, we're all practicing uh, extra hygiene purposes. We're washing our hands regularly. Uh, uh, so maybe you want to wash your hands and then go get the bread and cup and uh, you can be ready to celebrate the Lord's table with us. <clears throat> Canadian Press uh, reported this week that of the 1,590 surveys that they completed uh, between March 27th and March 29th, the vast majority of us uh, in Canada have said, yeah, we're practicing uh, social distancing, physical distancing. Actually, 97% of the people surveyed said, yeah, that's what they're doing. Um, uh, washing hands, keeping two you know, meters distance between one another, uh, just going out to, for the necessities, you know, observing the requests that are being made, cough, sneeze in your elbow. I mean, all these things that, that are, have become kind of common instructions for us. 86% of those surveyed said that they were, they'd actually asked a friend or a family member to practice social distancing with them. And, uh, and so maybe that's just the opportunity to say, uh, you know, as followers of Jesus, we can be leading the way on this, and I know it's hard when you've got kids at home or that kind of thing, but we, we, we're just going to lean in, we're just represent Jesus effectively and kind of do these things that are being asked of us to slow the spread, uh, slow the, uh, lower the curve, slow the curve. Uh, we're, this, morning, <clears throat> this morning, we're going to look at Pontius Pilate. He was practicing, um, uh, well, he wasn't practicing social distancing, but he was washing his hands. And, and so, you know, that's, we'll see whether his, um, uh, you know, spiritual attempts to uh, observe cleanliness, how do they parallel, up, parallel to and match up to our physical hygiene uh, this morning. Uh, that's kind of one of the things we're going to look at, Pontius Pilate, uh, Jerusalem AD 30, a uh, Roman leader um, who was in this season of time around Jesus' uh, trial and then his, his execution. Um, it was one of the things we're going to talk about this morning. The other thing we're going to talk about this morning are the things that we want. Uh, sometimes we, we get what we ask for, um, but, but it's not actually what we want. Uh, we get what we ask for, but it's not what we were expecting. Um, I, I bet that I bet that many of us would be those who at some point in the, in the, the past months or years would be among those who said, um, life's getting too fast. You know, like, like it, we just, there's, there's two, we're, we're overcommitted, we're overextended, uh, we're overscheduled. Something's got to give because it's, it's getting too fast. It was just a little over a decade ago that John Mayer uh, released an album that sold like five million copies worldwide. And, and one of the cuts on that album, what was, the lyric was this, stop this train, let me get off and go home again. I can't take the speed it's moving in. I know I can't, but honestly, won't someone stop this train? I mean, it was about that same era that uh, another hit song, uh, Jack Johnson, really kind of painted a compelling picture of just kind of staying home and lying in and making banana pancakes. Uh, and we're like, yeah, been doing that, done that, not what I expected. Like, you know, stop the train, sure, but with a, a pandemic that, you know, cripples the entire world, not, not what I was expecting. And, and yet, here we are. Sometimes we, we get what we ask for, but it's not what we expected. Um, and, and physical distancing like this wasn't, wasn't that. Um, this morning we're going to look at three portraits that Matthew in his gospel offers us. Uh, three people or groups of people who got what they asked for, but it was not what they wanted. So I'm going to invite you to follow along with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 1. I'm in the New International Version. <clears throat> and uh, I'll, I'll read it for you, 
Um, I'm starting at verse 1. I'm going to go down to verse 26. This is the word of the Lord. Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans how to have Jesus executed. So they bound him, led him away, handed him over to Pilate, the governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and to the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. That is your responsibility. What is it to us, they replied. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And then he went away and hanged himself. The chief priests picked up the coins and said, it is against the law to put this money into the treasury, since it is blood money. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. And that's why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Then what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price set on him by the people of Israel, and they used them to buy the potter's field as the Lord commanded me. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When Jesus was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one do you want me to release to you, Jesus Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Messiah? For, it was out of, he, for he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. And they all answered, Crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, Crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. May he help us understand it, and may we live differently in light of it. What we ask for may not be what we want, and it's often not what we desperately need. Judas Iscariot. Uh, the Jewish leaders, Pontius Pilate, I mean, they each got what they asked for, uh, but none of them got what they wanted. I mean, furthermore, none of them got what they desperately needed. And this error was deadly for them. But it invites us to examine ourselves and what, what is it that we 
are asking for? What, what, is, what are the things that we most want? And are we addressing that which we most desperately need? I mean, here we are, Palm Sunday. The season of Lent is beginning to draw to a close. This will be the final week. The season of Lent has historically been this season when, when we enter into some intentional introspection. We look within during the 40 days that lead up to Easter in preparation for celebration of Resurrection Sunday. And in that introspection, as we look within and invite the Holy Spirit to coach and guide, and maybe we fast and, and pray a little more than through rest other parts of the year. And we say, Lord, what needs to be refined? I mean, can we take another moment before the season comes to a close? And would you consider the possibility Consider this possibility that your wanter is broken. That your wanter is broken. I borrowed that phrase from, uh, from Beth Moore. Uh, the, the ladies in my household have repeated it several times. My wanter is broken. Now, you, I think you, you get what I'm talking about here. Each of us have, there's that something in us, that, that whatever it is that cultivates the desires that we have, uh, the appetites uh, that are ours, that the ambitions that are ours. And, and, and time and again, we encounter in the pages of Scripture that, that humanity, we have, we have broken wanters. And the biblical answer is that only Jesus can begin to bring healing and be, begin to bring correction to those appetites of our hearts, those direction, the, the direction of our lives, uh, the direction our lives are, is going in. And so we come back and say, well, what is it that you've been asking for? What, what is it that I ask for? Um, I mean, Judas asked for money, and he, and he got it, right? No one really understands uh, exactly the motivation that was going on in, in, in Judas Iscariot. And this passage is, quite frankly, confusing to most of us. Um, I, I mean, we've been reading the broader context of this, right? Matthew chapter 25, 26, here we are in Matthew 27, over these past few Sundays, and it's, it's, it's difficult to build a case that, that Judas was, in a, was motivated by anything other than greed. Uh, the, the, the money seemed to have been what he wanted, and, and so then we read a passage like this, and it's kind of confusing, like what led to this sudden onset of remorse on the part of Judas Iscariot? We read about it in verse 3. Judas got what he asked for. I mean, similarly, the Jewish leaders got what they asked for. Uh, they brought Jesus in what we just read to the Roman governor and asked him to execute Jesus. The, the Jewish leaders did not have the authority to affect capital punishment. It, only the Romans could do that. So they brought Jesus, because this is what they've been wanting, the, the scribes, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the leaders of the people. I mean, they've all been, been conspiring against Jesus for at least the last year, maybe longer. Uh, Matthew introduced us to this for the first time in Matthew chapter 12. Here we are, Matthew chapter 27. Uh, they have had it in for Jesus, and every time Matthew comes back to restate this, he usually adds a little bit of detail, a little more uh, insight into what this conspiracy is and, and what their plans are. If we had a chance, uh, so they got, we got what they wanted, right? Uh, to Jesus, guilty, sin away, have him executed. Um, if we had the opportunity to read on a little further, end of chapter 27, on into chapter 28, we would find out that they are fit to be tied. Like the Jewish leaders, I mean, they are stressed. Uh, they're, they're commissioning guards to go to the, t to the tomb because they're afraid that something's going to happen. When something happens, they're bribing the guards because they, uh, and then spreading false rumors about what took place. 
The, the leaders got what they, what they asked for. Um, what they were afraid of, they would actually get. Here we are in about 30 A.D. By 70 A.D., uh, the Romans will have come, have conquered the city of Jerusalem, torn down its walls, destroyed the temple, and the massacre of the people was horrific. I mean, if the Jewish leaders were, were really intent on trying to protect the people, uh, man, they failed in that. They got what they asked for, Jesus' execution, but they didn't get what they wanted. Pontius Pilate, um, he seems to be seeking peace and calm, uh, pretty much at, at, at any cost. Um, he, would be a, he was a military leader who was stationed um, by the Romans in Caesarea by the sea, uh, or, or Caesarea Maritima. It's, it's on the shores of the Mediterranean, just north of modern-day Haifa. It is a beautiful, beautiful location. Mediterranean is gorgeous. Um, it, it was physically a pretty nice place to be, and yet it, Palestine, the Roman province, was, uh, it, it was kind of a low-level assignment uh, in, in the grand scheme of, of Roman assignments. Um, Pontius Pilate had been a, a soldier. He'd actually been a knight in, in the, the Roman cavalry, um, which meant he was of the, uh, he was of the um, equestrian class rather than the, uh, the senatorial class. You had to be of the senatorial class if you were really going to get political appointment and, and betterment. Uh, that wasn't likely to be his, his, his end game. But, but, you know, to, to go from military hero with some, you know, accomplishments to your name to ruler of a backwater province to, uh, well, well, take it a step at a time. Why not? But, but if I'm going to progress in my career, uh, he was going to have to show uh, he was due diligence. He was going to have to show that he could manage this, you know, kind of troublesome little nation uh, in, in such a way that, you know, he preserved uh, taxes coming to Rome, preserved the peace, uh, showed his, his merit, his ability. And do you know what? If a little miscarriage of justice uh, and the execution of Jesus is what it took to get a win-win-win in the other categories, you know, to, and ultimately to get, you know, that glowing annual review, well, uh, apparently that was all right. He got what he asked for. But what we ask for isn't always what we want. Um, what is it that your heart is most longing for? Um, it, it, it's often that we discover that, that our wanter is off-center. Um, we may think that we know what we want. We ask for it. Uh, we do it on a regular basis. Uh, we, we, we might uh, ask, stop this train and, and slow down. But, but we didn't mean come to a grinding halt, right, through some uh, threatening pandemic. Uh, what do you want? Uh, there's actually a drama game that, that uh, goes by that title, What Do You Want? Um, if, you've, if you did drama class in high school or been part of a theater group, maybe you've come across this little exercise, What Do You Want? It's, it's an exercise that um, kind of helps an actor grow their ability uh, to identify and respond to their character's motivation. What does my character want? What is, what, in this scene, what is my character trying to achieve, trying to accomplish? So, so the drama game goes like this. Two actors improvise a scene, 
And, and the one without saying what they want need to try to get what they want. So if you were in a high school drama class, um, your teacher might give you a slip of paper or might whisper in your ear, here's what you want, and then you need to try to get it from your, your acting partner in this improvised uh, setting. And so, you know, if it was easy, maybe it's get, get the pen from them. Okay, so how do I maneuver in our improvised conversation to get the pen? You know, or get the sweater off their back or the jacket off their back or something like that. You know, so can I, oh, man, it's hot in here, right? So creativity is, is invited. I think one of the ones that is maybe particularly fun is uh, get a kiss from your partner. And they're like, really? Uh, how am I going to get them to do that? My favorite answer to that was always to improvise a boo-boo and then get them to kiss the boo-boo better. Okay, so, you know, creativity is welcome. You, what is it you want? What you, so we, we're looking at what, what was the motivation for some of these characters? What is it that they were wanting? And, and sometimes what they ask for is not actually what they want. And, and Judas realized this too late in order to save Jesus. And, and there's been some conjecture around, you know, kind of what was going on, what's the backstory uh, to Judas. Some have suggested that, that he was maybe a zealot, and that what he really wanted was that he wanted Jesus to rise up as a military hero, put an army together, and kick the Romans out of Israel. Well, when that didn't happen, when it became obvious that Jesus was going to die, he's like, bad plan, shouldn't be doing that. Uh, maybe I'll just kind of push this agenda forward, force Jesus' hand, as it were, through this betrayal. But then you come to chapter 27, and it doesn't go that way. Jesus is going to be executed, and he's overcome with remorse. It's like, that, obviously, I was wrong. Uh, he realizes his treachery, uh, and, and in response, ends his life. Is that, is that his motivation? Is that kind of what he was going for? Um, others are, are convinced that, that, really, it's all been about money for this guy, um, Matthew chapter 19, you could, you could envision Judas being pretty jazzed when Jesus says, um, you're each going to have a throne uh, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Well, that sounds like a position of power. Well, when, where there's power, there's money. Uh, so, so surely, you know, that it, was it a great incentive. Man, this is going in the right direction. But then Jesus makes it clear that he's going to die rather than fight. Bad plan. Man, this is not going worth, so, so cash out. Like just cash out while you can, get what, because what he wanted was money. Um, we, we, I don't know this side of heaven if we'll be utterly clear on, on what his motivation really was, but what we know for sure is that you come to chapter 27, and by the time he recognized what a terrible decision he's made, the wheels are in motion, Jesus is going to die, and he's at least in part responsible for this. And Jesus didn't want what he got, uh, though he did get what he asked for. I mean, the Jewish leaders had been saying for generations that what they wanted was the Messiah to come. There was this expectation that that. The, the Messiah, the, the, the rescuer of Israel, uh, the God's anointed one, would come and, and bring deliverance for his people. And yet when Jesus came and he didn't fit the expected package that they were anticipating, the image of what they had in mind, uh, of what the Messiah ought to be, they rejected the notion that Jesus was the one. And so it was a tragic decision. I mean, it was tragic for them. It was tragic for the people that they were charged to lead. The Jewish leaders said this was what they wanted. Pontius Pilate 
seems to want greatness, seems to want to climb the ladder of success, take his steps through this, keep the peace, keep the taxes flowing to Rome, keep the troublemakers subdued, uh, keep the leaders on the hook, you know, so you could manipulate them to accomplish Rome's purposes. I mean, everyone got what they, what they wanted, didn't they? And yet nobody wanted what they got. Because here's the problem. You may not want what you need. That's the problem. Our wanters are broken, and you may not want what you need, yet you need what you need regardless. Have you taken care of your greatest need? And perhaps with the train slowed down, with the distractions moved away, and we're called to a place of focus where we say, what do I most need? And what you and I most need is what Judas most needed, what the Jewish leaders most needed, what Pontius Pilate most needed, above and beyond all things. We need to be restored in relationship to Father God. Our our maker, our Father God loves you. And he's gone to enormous lengths to restore you to himself. We've been reading through this account but, but the track record of humanity is that our broken wanters lead us off in all kinds of illicit directions. But, but only Jesus can restore you. Only Jesus can fix our wanter and give us what we desperately need. We're in the season of Lent. It'll draw to a close Easter Sunday. And many of you have been fasting, you've been praying through this season. Maybe in the last couple of weeks it's, it's become a more earnest prayer and fasting. There have been some calls to prayer. Thousands of people across our nation have been participating as we felt the, the threat of the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. I mean, it's a wonderful thing when you bring the, the, the practice of fasting together with the discipline, the practice of prayer. Uh, it, we're, we're bringing our wants into submission to Jesus. Like, I want lunch, but I want Jesus more. Uh, More than sitting and watching another newscast, what I want to do is sit at the feet of Jesus, and I want to hear him speak to me because I need wisdom. I need his insight. More than listening to my fears and insecurities cry out yet again in these circumstances, I want want the, the Holy Spirit to come and speak his truth to me, uh, to bring encouragement, because I need it, uh, to bring correction, uh, b- because perhaps it's time, that's what I've been seeking in this season of Lent, to, to bring his direction. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on each of us in this season that we might know our God and walk with him. What we need. Matthew offers kind of Two points of focus that might have, you might just blow past if you didn't, if it didn't draw it to your attention. Um, I haven't mentioned the people at large yet. The, the, the crowd was there. They got what they asked for, and, and, and it was tragic. They're being manipulated by their leaders. You look at verse 15 of chapter 27. Uh, the, the governor wanted to, to release uh, someone. He says, do you want Jesus Barabbas, or do you want Jesus who's called the Messiah? And Mark tells us Barabbas was this insurrectionist. He was a, uh, the leader of a revolt. He was a murderer. 
But, but look at the names as Matthew has presented them to us here. Uh, Jesus Hamashiach, uh, uh, Ye- Yeshu Hamashiach, that's the Hebrew, the Messiah, or Yeshu Bar Abba. Uh, the, Barabbas literally means son, Bar, of the father, Abba. Well, we know Matthew chapter 3, Jesus was declared at his baptism to be the son of the father, the son whom I love and with whom I'm well pleased. And so Matthew's kind of painting a little picture for us here to see that they asked for the wrong Jesus. In fact, they asked for the wrong Jesus, son of the father. There's something going on, also going on here that's kind of in the subtext for us. Um, Judas went to the wrong place, went to the wrong people with his remorse, with his guilt, uh, with his desire to be forgiven. Uh, It's back in verse 3 of chapter 27 when Judas had been, had betrayed, sorry, when Judas who betrayed him saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse and returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. There's a confession of sin right there. What's the response? What is that to us? Are you kidding me? Like these, for, for centuries, what you did with your sin was you came with your offerings to the temple. And a blood offering would cover your sin, and it was understood to be a temporary covering. And it was just last night. Judas was there. It was just the night before this, at at the, at the Last Supper, just a few hours before this, at the Last Supper, when Jesus said, I'm bringing the new covenant in my blood. You see, the, the priests could no longer do it. I mean, Jesus had been upset with them for not offering what, what Israel most needed all along. Uh, but it, it's painted painfully clear for us here. What is that to us? That's your responsibility. Deal with your own sin in your own way. And in his despair, because Judas went to the wrong people, to the wrong place, he took his life. Interesting is that Matthew quotes the exact same turn of phrase. Just a few verses later, verse 24, the Jewish leaders have come before Pilate looking for a guilty verdict over Jesus, and, and Pilate, finally in his frustration, washes his hands. Good, good hygiene, Pilate, way to go. That was not his motivation at all. He washes his hands as, as if the guilt of his association with this decision to have Jesus executed could, could somehow be, be dealt with with you know, 20 seconds of soap and water. Good practice for, for germs and even virus, but it does not deal with the, the guilt of sin. You can't just say, I'm no longer guilty, and presto changeo, magically, I'm not guilty. There was an issue that needed to be addressed, and Pilate needed to choose the right Jesus, and the crowd needed to choose the right Jesus, and if only Judas had chosen the right Jesus as the one that he could bring his confession to, if only the Jewish leaders would have recognized it, this story would have gone very, very differently, and it's a point of instruction for you and I. We need to bring that which we're asking for. We need to bring that which we are wanting. We need to ask, well, what do I most need? And we need to bring all of this to Jesus. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, and they're going to lead us in response. We're going to come to the Lord's table here this morning. 
Uh, this would be the time to get the bread and to get the juice ready. We come back to the Lord's table time and time and time again because it points us to Jesus, the one who is our hope in, in the face of all of the circumstances and situations that would threaten us. This table represents the body of Jesus given and the blood of Jesus poured out for the forgiveness of sin. This became the means of restoring us to the Father, this act of Jesus. And then once restored to the Father, our wanters can begin to be healed. Such that increasingly, I want what God wants. And what he wants is always the very best that we could imagine because of his immense love for you and for me. In fact, what he wants is beyond what you and I can even hope or imagine. And that's what he has been journeying towards for centuries. Will you submit your wants, your hopes, your dreams, will you submit them to Jesus? Let me invite you to pray with me. Father God, we confess how easily our hearts go off in in unhelpful, misled directions. Directions that lead us away from you rather than towards you. We confess, Lord. Friends, would you take the next minute just speak your confession to God quietly from your heart to his Lord Jesus, you hear our confession. Please forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father God, we repent, longing to walk in a new way. Would you come and heal our wanters that we might want nothing more and nothing less than you and your righteousness grown grown up in our lives mature us lord that we might look more and more like you lord jesus we confess we repent and turn and walk in your way and we receive your forgiveness we are so grateful that all condemnation that ought to have come against us in our sin has been redirected to Jesus. We're no longer condemned. We are now forgiven. And Lord God, you, we're grateful that you have, have enabled us to be absolved of responsibility, absolved of guilt, absolved of shame associated with our sin. And we now choose to walk in the freedom of your forgiveness. Your amazing grace, your extraordinary favor. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.